Hi, and welcome to season one of the Mental Fitness Podcast with me, Anthony Taylor. This is the podcast where we look at what it takes to be mentally fit. That intersection between mental toughness, emotional intelligence, and good mental health. We interview some of the best people from the sporting, business, and psychological worlds to bring you the stories and suggestions on how to build your mental fitness. Here's a snapshot of what we've got in store for you this week. So the attributes that had me winning the ring had me fail in life. Because what had me winning the ring was I was very, I was very persistent, I was courageous, I was determined, I'd never give up. Those, those lovely attributes that you like to talk about. But what goes with those, the ones that you maybe not like to really discuss are, I was aggressive, I was domineering, I was selfish, I was inconsiderate, I was always right. Those rah, rah, those attributes that went with that had me be a champion in the ring. But those attributes in life didn't work. So if you like what you hear over the rest of this episode, then please join the conversation with me on Instagram at anttaylor72 or on LinkedIn where you can find me under Anthony Taylor Mental Fitness. And please subscribe. It takes just a minute, but it's going to help the podcast reach more people. Okay, let's crack on with the show. So today, my guest is the former British Commonwealth, European and World Boxing Champion. He's also a world inspirational, motivational speaker and a personal performance coach. He's the author of Man Up, The World Champion Way. And during lockdown, he's been busy. He's created a brand new 12-week coaching program called How to Change Yourself, Your Business and Your Life in Just 12 Weeks. I think I might need some of that. The World Champion Way. And this is the bit I've been really looking forward to. Please welcome the former light welterweight champion of the world, Billy Schwer. Let's get ready to rumble. It's showtime. It's showtime. Now, I've got first question I was going to ask you, Billy. I'm going to change it. Do you think Michael Buffer's quaking in his boots after that intro? I, I think he could possibly be, yes. But lucky enough, because we're all on lockdown, I think I think his, his space might be saved. All right, I might send that to Eddie Hearn and just see what he thinks. Good move. I, I, like, I like your thinking. Forward thinking, I like it. Anyway, let's get on with uh, our conversation. So, Billy, I want to start with the question that I ask all my guests on this first season, which is, what does mental toughness mean to you, my friend? What it means to me is, is having the ability to be able to react and respond quickly and effectively under pressure. That's a training and a conditioning, which is takes effort over time. To, it's, a, it's a learn, it's a learn thing. Right, ability to react quickly under pressure. Having the ability to react, respond effectively and quickly in the moment, because like I'm relating obviously to boxing. In a fight situation, you're, you're continuously, your brain is moving so fast. You're reading what's coming at you and, and you're getting beaten up at the same time. So it's being able to react and respond effectively in those moments. That's what's going to have you survive and get out of trouble. So that's something for you that can be learned and can be developed, which is what we kind of think about with mental toughness. It's something that we can learn and develop. I think it takes time. I think it takes a lot of a lot of uh, maybe suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of going beyond yourself 
to get that resilience, that element, that's a mental toughness, what that signifies is, yes, being able to go beyond yourself. But that's a trained thing. So as we bump up against our barriers, our limitations, so again, speaking as a boxer, we just pushed and pushed and pushed, pushing ourselves beyond ourselves, which enables then us to go and perform at a world-class level, which is beyond where we started. But that's a bit of training and a conditioning of our minds and physical being over time. Because you can't, you can't go and compete at that level straight away. Yeah, you, you wouldn't throw someone into their world championship fight in their first outing, would you? Obviously. Exactly. Yeah, just they just they just break them. It just wouldn't be possible. So when you started out in your boxing career, how old were you when you had your first professional fight? You're pretty young, weren't you? You start off as an amateur. So you start off amateur boxing. So I started when I was eight. I had my first amateur boxing contest when I was eleven. I had a great ten years as an amateur. I had nearly a hundred fights. I became a national champion at thirteen. I was a schoolboy champion. So then it was from that age, I was always in the top, the top five of the country. And then obviously you turn pro, then you're in Great Britain, then the Europe and then the world. But you, it's a transitional process. So as an amateur, that's like doing your apprenticeship. You do hundred odd fights, 10 years, the thousands of hours I spent training, preparing, conditioning, that then stood me up in good stead. So when I turned pro, still, still a kid at 21, I started off and then, so I was nurtured through the process in the early days. You start off again, like you don't go and do a 12 round championship fight in your first fight. I started off doing six rounds. You do six rounds, then you do eight rounds and then you do 10 rounds. And then at some point you're, you're released into championship level. If you got the ability but that, that's through that's through doing the putting the hours in. And when you started out in your first few professional fights, did you believe you could go all the way to world champion? I did, yeah, because I, I became a British and Commonwealth champion after two years, about, about 18 or 19 th- fights it was. So I so I I was in I kind of reached a level quite quickly. And I was, and I, yeah, I did believe that. I did believe, I, and I've always, I always believed that, you know, I can fight anyone in the world. I could, I was willing to step into the ring with anyone in the world and I would have a 50-50 chance. I've got a chance with anybody, but it's getting that, to that, whatever that is, that world level class, whatever that, and that takes, that takes, takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of mental toughness because there's lots of upsets, defeats, setbacks along the way. And that, that's the, that, that, that resilience is kind of something you you kind of earn it over time because it ain't easy. Life ain't easy, is it? It's, it's tough out there. It's tough. Were you as aware of the mental game back then as you are about the importance of it now, or was it just was it just something that you did? You know, it was just part of you know you, your mental game was as a result of the physical conditioning you were going through, or did you consciously spend time visualizing being world champion? Visualizing your fights ahead of time. I did all of that, but I was I'm more aware now. But I I mean visualization, we hear that's a great tool for athletes. We hear about that a lot, don't we? And I would visualize everything about the fight. I would visualize arriving at the venue, being in the changing room, warming up, walking out, doing your ring walk, having the fight. The fight would take place, and you'd I'd visualize it finishing in a hundred different ways where I'm always victorious. 
So I was, I was doing that visualization from, from when I was, I can't, can't remember when that was, but that was from a, from a kid. So I was always doing that sports psychology. I looked at that a little bit, hypnosis, that kind of stuff. I was looking at it. I was kind of into it, definitely, because I was so aware of, yeah, what the ability, we have a physical ability, but then the mental stuff is just takes us to another level. So I was aware of it, mindful of it. I mean, I, I meditation, I got into meditation when I was boxing. Did you really? That's well ahead of the game, isn't it? Yeah, that that's I mean, I started I did transcendental meditation when I was when I was I must have been about 23. So that's that's like 27, 28 years ago. I, I looked at meditation. So I kind of got involved in that. Then I kind of left it and I didn't get real deep into it. I'm, I'm very deep into it now. And I have been for the last uh, three, four years. But at the time, so I, I was open to looking at performance. And that's why I do what I do now, because I'm, I'm very big into performance. And I position myself as a personal performance coach, because performance is very personal. So as a coach, we've got to be mindful of who we're working with and serving them and what, what serves them best. Because it's not, not everything is for everybody. So what was your, just briefly, and we're going to move away from the boxing career in a bit, but it is you know, obviously what you're known for. Um, what was your toughest fight? Because you had 45 fights, 39 wins, 60 defeats, and 30 knockouts. That's a pretty impressive career. So but what was your, which was your toughest fight? All the championship fights were tough. They're all of them. Some of them went the distance. So when you go a 12-round championship fight, they're tough. I mean, I mean, when I regained my British and Commonwealth titles, I mean, in that particular fight, that was a 12-round fight. And I remember I broke my hand in the fifth round. So I was kind of fighting with one hand, really. And every time I threw a right hand, I could feel it. And it was like, oh, my nose was broken. They're all, they're all kind of pretty brutal in their own way. Some are tougher more than others. And it's the, yeah, it's just having that, that durability that's to keep, to stick with the fights. Some fights, you'd go five or six rounds and it was like, there was nothing in it. And I, and I can remember going back to my corner thinking, man, this is going to be a hard night's work. This is hard. Then you go back out again and then you come back again and go, yeah, this is, this is hard. So then you kind of clash. And it was a, what for me was, it was about breaking the spirit. If you can break somebody's spirit as a boxer, then once you kind of see a crack appear and then you, the floodgates are open, then you, capitalize on that so you're looking for every opportunity it's kill or be killed it's like that it's that brutal you're looking for any openings to just to, so you can get the job done in the boxing world and that is so there's lots of lots of fights 45 pro fights a lot of lot of fights are tough but my, i've got to say my, my toughest fight i've had is my ex-wife <laughs> I have to put I have to put that joke in everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm presuming it's that in the courts, not yeah. not physically. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Talk about mental toughness. You need that. I love I love my I love my ex-wife. I'm only joking. She's a beautiful being. You got to laugh about it, you know. Absolutely. Well, someone's been through divorce as well, and and now gets on with great with his his ex-wife as well. Yeah, I can kind of I can relate to that as well. Good for us. Good for us. We're enlightened. We must be enlightened. Absolutely. So we talked about the fight game. We talked about you, you know, the mental toughness you showed in that, the confidence that comes from those thousands of hours of training, the mental preparation. How important do you think it is for, you know, people like us? What role does physical 
fitness play in mental fitness? I'm a very physical being. So they go together. They're, they're the same. They're, they just, and as, an, as a boxer, starting boxing when I was eight, I don't really know anything other than mental, physical. So my belief is that they are, they are, so, they are so aligned and connected. We, we hear all the time, yeah, mental, physical strength, mental, physical well-being. They just so go together in my, in my belief and in my world. So to excel at something, I, I, you've got to have them all taken care of. So the guys that I work with now, we, we look at the mental, physical and nutritional fitness. Because our bodies, our wellness are so important. The mindset, the mental fitness is so important, so key for us to perform at our optimum. There's lots of things to consider. They definitely go together. They go hand in glove, definitely. When you're working with your clients, then what kind of things, what would you say are some of the biggest barriers that you see in people that are holding them back? Themselves, always. Themselves, their limitations, the limiting beliefs that they may have about themselves and what's possible. And they just, they just kind of get themselves in the way. My thing's about getting people free from the constraints of their past. A lot of their past, the stories that we have about our past, they just limit us and they stop us, but they, they, they don't stay in the past. They're kind of in the future, in the present moment. We keep bumping up against our limitations. So once you can break through that stuff, then that gives you an access to a whole new future, a whole new world. I'd see a lot when I work with clients and I think about my own self as well. A lot of those limitations I know I've had about myself have actually come on other people's views about what I'm capable of that I've somehow taken on board as, as being this thing. Would you agree with that? Not for me personally, because I don't view it that way. I'm very self, I'm very... So I'm very confident, very self-aware of my own ability. And I'm not afraid of failing. I'm not afraid of making mistakes. I kind of talk about failing your way to the top as, as I've done in the ring and outside of the ring. But it's having the courage to just keep going back, confronting, disrupting yourself and going beyond yourself because we just get in the way of ourselves. There's so much more available to each and every one of us. And if you've got support and guidance just to lift you and shove you through sometimes. That's all it takes. And then just giving people an access to, that's, that's, my, that's my game is, giving people an access to a whole new future. A future that they didn't even know existed. That's the, that's the amazing thing. And dealing with stuff, and then they just deal with stuff that they probably didn't even think they need to deal with, which then opens up something else. And it's just a never-ending opening up of peeling back the layers of our own transformation. And that's, that's, that's the world that I've been, I'm just transformation. My mission in life is the transformation of the middle-aged man. That's what I'm up to. That's, that's my game. Because you, can you imagine all the middle-aged men out there, transformation for them, transforming themselves. But it takes a willingness to go, you know what, what I'm, let's, let's have a look at my life. Is it working? Could I do more? Could it be different? They're the guys that I work with, the ones that want more, who know they can get more, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to, to be more. But that takes courage. And lots of people are not aware of that. So I want to wake people up, especially the middle-aged men, because a lot of them are very righteous, very egotistical. I can only speak for myself. I was very right, very right, very right. 
So the attributes that had me winning the ring had me fail in life. Because what had me winning the ring was I was very, I was very persistent, I was courageous, I was determined, I'd never give up. Those, those lovely attributes that you like to talk about. But what goes with those, the ones that you maybe not like to really discuss are, I was aggressive, I was domineering, I was selfish, I was inconsiderate, I was always right. Those rah, rah, those attributes that went with that had me be a champion in the ring. But those attributes in life didn't work, just didn't work. So Billy the Boxer, those, Billy the Boxer served Billy the Boxer, but Billy the Boxer didn't serve Billy. But Billy didn't know how to be anything else other than Billy the Boxer, because he's been Billy the Boxer from a kid of eight years of age. But Billy the Boxer's training and his conditioning is to defend, to fight, attack, resist, and confront. And that's what has him win. But that's what had him fail in life. Again, ask my ex-wife, she'll tell you, bringing her back into it. I just didn't have to be any, anything else. And it just doesn't work in a marriage. It doesn't work anywhere. But unless you've got the ability to, to recognize and see what's not working, and then you know what, once you, once you look at life and go, are there certain elements that are not working? There's one common thread running through the whole of all of that. And that common thread is, you're not working. Have a look in the mirror. That's what's not working. And that's what I did. I looked in the mirror one day and I thought, this ain't, this ain't working. You got to change. You got to change because who you're being and what you're doing just don't work. It's just like, oh shit, crisis. And I had to reach a crisis point for me to then make the changes. Because on my retirement from boxing, I was, I struggled with the transition from being Billy the boxer to being Billy. Who was Billy? Who was, who's Billy? That was, that was the question. Was, who am I? I'm not Billy the boxer. So who am I then? So I started to question myself. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What's the point? What's the meaning of life? They're not those big questions that we ask ourselves. And I did that. That's why, my, that's why I'm so passionate about middle-aged men, about the questions that they're asking themselves. So I've done it all myself. I've been there, lived it, breathed it. And I've come from the first two years of my retirement from boxing, but the worst two years of my life, I, I had a breakdown. I went through depression. I went through a divorce and I was on my way to becoming bankrupt. So I eventually lost everything. I had my home repossessed. I had no money. I had no future, lost everything. I am a cliche athlete. You hear, you hear it all the time, athletes, when they retire from their sport, depression, divorce, bankruptcy. It's like, I was just normal. And I, I was the cliche. I, that's, that's what I lived into. And that's what happened to me. And I crashed and burned. I had a, I had a mental breakdown. But back in my day, this is 18 or so years ago, mental health wasn't really openly discussed as it is so much now. And I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. I was struggling. I just didn't know what to do. And I, I didn't have the courage to reach out and ask for help, which I eventually did after two years of suffering. You know, I, I mean, I, there were dark days. There was, I had some really dark times, suicidal thoughts. I was broke down. I, yeah, I was in a real tough place. But then I eventually found the courage. Yeah, I got myself a coach, started working, reading, going to seminars. And I really started to dismantle Billy the Boxer to really discover Billy. And that's, and this is who I am today. And today I'm sitting here before you happier, more fulfilled and satisfied than I've ever been ever. I'm 10 out of 10. 
I'm living at 10 out of 10. I'm 10. Out, so that's that's available. If I can get that, that's available for everybody. You've got to do the work. You've got to be willing to go and do the work. It's the inner work. It's an inside job. And that's the work that I've done. And that's what I share with people. And that's that's the access that I provide for people to get 10 out, have a 10 out of 10 life. That's fantastic. And, it's, you know, it's brilliant to hear you talk so openly about that and so passionately about that. I know um, now I certainly wasn't a world uh, championship fighter, but after my own divorce when I was 40, it was that I needed to look in on myself and just re, you know, think about what I wanted to do. I was unhappy with my career. The things I've been chasing were not actually what I thought was important. Um, there we go. But yeah. similar kind of, I had a 40 year man. My mum had recently died, uh, divorced. I was broke from it. I was just, you know, it is that kind of journey back for it. But it, you're right. It starts with the introspection. It starts with looking at yourself and and doing that, doing that work. How long um, would you, you know, so you had the breakdown, you started that process of, of reflection and introspection, Billy. How long did you, did you think that, did you think that took you? And do you still think you're on that journey? Absolutely. Never ended. I love it. I love the subject of personally growing that self-development, that transformation. It just never stops. And like me and you went through the same experience. We reached a crisis point. Something happened and we hit a crisis point Then we had a word of ourselves and respect to you for, for being conscious enough and willing to go. Yeah, I need to I need to go and have a look at myself. And that's the that's the challenge for lots of men, especially to to do that. And a lot of people struggle with that and they don't do it. They keep getting what they got, just getting more of the same in their lives. And that, that, that's the guys that I get, some of them. They're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. But it's, it's the inner work of what, what you've obviously done as well. As, and that's, that's exactly what I did. I went inside and discovered something anew for myself. I think you're right. It's when I work with clients as well, you know, we assess their mental toughness. And I see this a lot, you know, it's no point having eight, nine, 10 out of 10 scores if you haven't got that self-awareness that you've talked about. Because like you say, otherwise it leads to behaviours that you're not aware of that are counterproductive. So it is possible to have, as you talked about, you know, too much mental toughness, for the ability to bounce back and be aggressive and all that kind of stuff. Without that self-awareness, it's a bit like the, um, you know, you just end up spinning your wheels, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it take, yeah, it's just having... The mindfulness to realize that I'm not working. Life is, is not how I want it to be. So if that's the case, then you've got to go and have a little look. Oh, what, let's get specific then. Then go and have a look. What's specifically not working? And then have a little rummage around that and you'll have a part to play in it. And let's not go, let's not go into denial because you're there. You've got something to do with it. Let's have a look. And it's not that there's something wrong. It's not a criticism. Just, yeah, let's observe that. And then you then discover something for yourself. That just take, that takes something, I think. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Because a lot of us, we defend, we want to just defend, resist and attack. And that's kind of a, as a man, especially, we get triggered. Then we just respond automatically and just don't work. It just doesn't work. That's the bit to get that way of you. The way, the way that you operate may not work in all areas of your life. So let's have a look. Once you start to work on that stuff, that's just beautiful because the whole world starts to occur differently. If you take the edge off that, of yourself and how you respond, then things just look completely different. 
that's just gorgeous for somebody to experience that. It's just beautiful. You spoke really eloquently a moment ago about your, you know, your, and you articulated really clearly about your reason why it's working with that middle-aged man. How important do you think it is for all of us to be really clear about our why, as Simon Sinek talks about it? I, I think we all know what we don't want. So let's have a look at what we do want and focus on that and your why. Yeah, we all need a reason, I believe. We need a reason. We, never, we need a purpose. We have got to live something into the future, something to live for, your why, whatever you want to call it, for sure. Because then that's the context. So if that's in the background, your why, the reason, what is that? And it's getting clear on that. I think it's great to just have a look and get involved in a conversation about what that looks like. Because it's so so individual, that thing. And it could be anything. It could be anything. So it could be anything, something that's nice and small. It could be anything, which is driving your behavior, your performance, your activity. And ultimately, I think, I think we all want to make a difference. Once you get, once you get your own sort of certain level of survival dealt with, once that's covered, then I think us middle-aged guys, I think we want to make a difference. Once we get settled in ourselves and we got, it's getting the bills paid and your food on the table, those, that bit done, then I think something else opens up for us because we've got so much to give. We've got so much experience and wisdom to give others. That's, what, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's that self-actualization bit, isn't it? Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that tip of the, tip of the triangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say a little bit more about that. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, he talks about is at the bottom, you've got the basic uh, physiological needs, food, shelter, warm, security, all those kind of things. And then it moves up and right at the top of that pyramid is that self-actualization bit. You know, I talk, I do a lot of work with clients around energy management. So at the bottom, you've got physical, then you've got the emotional energy, then you've got your mental. And at the top is the spiritual bit. And the spiritual is, isn't about necessarily about religion. It's about your values. It's about your purpose. It's about the meaning that you bring to life and the impact you can have on people. And that's so important at the top. Might be the smallest bit, but it's yes. just as important. Brilliant, brilliant. That's great. It's good to share that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, brilliant. So when you, you know, you'd sounded out, you talked about getting into meditation quite early on, you know, 20 odd years ago, you sort of started to flirt with the idea, look at it. And do you practice that on a daily basis now? I meditate most days, not every day. And I, I've got involved in Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's got a great book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. You look at that title. It's the title is just, just brilliant. Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. So I do a lot of his work and I do a lot of stuff on my own as well. Not every day. Most days, I, as, as a, I just feel it. I'm very feel it and um a lot of yeah just creating the future thoughts your thoughts your energy i'm very big into energy your chakras your your energy centers i'm, I'm very big into that being aware of that stuff and that, that's fascinating to me because i'm gonna i'm up to i'm gonna live till i'm 130 years of age so i've got a long way to go so i've just started looking into breath work breathing Breath work. So if I'm going to live till I'm 130, I'm going to have a lot of breaths. So I'm just very much into looking at going inside and looking at that stuff. I mean, especially nowadays, the respiratory system and how we can how we can optimize that and have that working at its best ability. So I'm open to everything, really. 
And how did you find when you started meditating? A lot of people talk about, oh, I can't do it. You know, their thoughts get in the way. What are, you, what are your tips on, on how you found that and persisting with it? Well, I'm the same. I'm, I'm exactly the same. My thoughts get in the way. I, I, I'm running the same thoughts as they do. But you know what it is? It's, it's sticking with something. I found a something which I like. And it's guided. So you just got to sit there and be guided. That's the best way. Just sit there and be guided and you're going to drift off. But then it's, it's like taming the beast. I can sit down, which I never, I never thought I'd be able to do this. I could, I've sat down and I can, on a few occasions, sat down on my own without any guided meditation. I, I can sit there for a couple of hours. Now I don't do that all the time. I have the ability to now be able to sit with myself, with my thoughts and feelings and emotions and be with myself. Lots of us can't be with ourselves. We want to be out of ourselves. That's why, that's why we watch TV, internet, whatever that is, is something outside of ourselves. But if you come inwards and sit with yourself, that takes training. That takes training, but there's so much value in that. And I view that as that's, for me to be able to sit down for 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever, that's like, wow, that's like a really big accomplishment, I think. To sit, just be with myself. And my thoughts are going everywhere. They're, but then I keep bringing them back to the breath. Just breathe, just breathe. Then they're going to go everywhere. They're going to be everywhere all the time. That doesn't stop. But we get better at it. And we have moments of where well, that's not happening so much. And, and it's, But that's, again, I, I just view it as this training. Is training your brain to be able to do that. And the value that, so I'm going to live, so I've got another 80 odd years. So that's so important for me. Breath work, meditation, the mindfulness of it. That's, that's going to carry me through for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So that's worth studying now and learning how to do that, which we, because it's free. It's something you can take anywhere with you and do it for the next forever doesn't cost you nothing just going to cost you time effort and a little upfront cost you might have to buy a few cds or something download it ain't a lot of money it's for nothing but the benefit you're going to get is it'll be with you forever and that's the gift of being able to meditate but, it, but a lot of people give up as i did as i did back in the day i, I gave up i stopped doing it I'm, but now, but now I'm heavy into it. Last year, three, three, probably three and a half, nearly four years. Yeah, funnily enough, I hadn't really done any meditation when I went through the breakup a few years ago. I ended up spending a couple of Sundays at a Quaker meeting, and that was phenomenal because you sit in a room in silence for an hour. And when I went into the room, I remember the noise in my ear and my head felt like sitting on a plane. You know that hum of the jet engines. And after an hour, and if that was about, it felt like about nine out of ten volume wise. And after an hour, it was about a one. And that was phenomenal. So I went back two or three weeks and it was amazing. And then stopped going back and, and fell out of that practice. And then, you know, uh, felt a bit burnt out last year and ended up uh, experiencing some anxiety and stuff. And then got back into meditation. And what a transformation. So and I try and do it about four times a week now. And it is getting better at it. Um, but it is, it's quite powerful, isn't it? Oh, very, very powerful. For us to settle yourself and clarity of thinking, you know what I get from meditation? I'm I'm smarter. I'm I've got I have an, an intellectual upgrade when I'm continuously meditating. Honestly, I have my 
my vocabulary is different. I speak better. I'm sharper. I'm, I'm just, it turns something on for me because the way the, what, what I'm doing, I'm bringing energy up into my brain and my brain is getting activated. Like it's never been activated before the work that I'm doing with Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's you're pulling the energy through your body into your brain. So I'm getting, I'm getting awakened. Like my brain's like never before. It's never experienced the stuff that it has like it is now. And that's available for us all. So I wonder, I wonder what else it makes available for others. If that could, if it, if it does that to me, that's what I noticed. So what else could it do for everyone else? Our brain's a muscle, isn't it? You know, and if we don't give our, you wouldn't train your body to exhaustion all the time, every day of the week, you break down, you get injured. So why do we do that to our brains? If we don't stop and give our brains that space through meditation to rest, how do we expect them to continue to perform? Absolutely. And it's, Something we've all heard of, we all know about it. We all probably would like to have a go at it, but we don't know how, or that we put we put um, loads of justifications and reasons and excuses not to have a go at it. But it's just all it takes is your time. It's just time. Fine. But then I I've, I've been the same though. I can't find twenty minutes a day. It's like it's almost like when you look, it's like ridiculous. I haven't got time to meditate. We, we kind of say that to ourselves. And so I go, yeah, yeah, because I've done that myself. I ain't got 20 minutes, which is ridiculous. I started with five and I was quite surprised. Actually, just five minutes made a difference. Yeah, yeah, that's the place to start. There's some great apps you can get and do, just do five minutes. That's it. So you strike me as someone who's still going to be investing in themselves and trying out new things, learning new things as you go out the rest of your life. Do you think that's really important for all of us? For me personally... It's, a, it's an aliveness for me because I'm looking to always, I'm oh so open to learning. I'm a lifelong learner. What do I know? What, so we learn through experiences. So I want to have as many experiences as I can. So we read books, we go to university, we go to school, but we, we get all this knowledge in, but then you've got to go and have an experience. You've got to implement the knowledge into your life and have an experience because then we learn through the experience. So I'm, I'm all about ex- just gather more information, gather more learning. But then I get to obviously my business, I'm getting that to share that with others. Then I experience their experience, which I get, which I get experience from. So it's just, it just loops, just looping around all the time. And I just, I just love the subject. And it is, it's like training your brain. So, but then I'm very much into the physical training. I thought, but I'm very mindful of not overtraining nutrition very much into that and that's an interesting one isn't it i've noticed as i was was having this conversation with my best friend the other day i noticed that i'm taking you know i'm 49 i was 49 the other week um it's taking me longer to get over if i get a cut it takes you know a couple of weeks to heal i'm not i think i'm 26 my body is how about a hangover how long does it take you to get over a hangover to be honest i can't remember the last time i was drunk because it's probably going to take that long so oh exactly 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 yeah yeah so what, what are your thoughts on training then for the 50 for the middle-aged man what do we need to do to to look after ourselves physically but be mindful of our aging bodies mobility flexibility strength just just being mobile but I, we've all got to be lifting we've got to be i've got a kettle downstairs gyms are shut i've got a couple of dumbbells and a kettlebell We've got to be resisting. We've got to do some resistance training. I really believe that. We've got to be squatting, but then we've got to be moving because a lot of men, they can't, they can't bend down and do their shoelaces up. 
It's having that, just being able to deep squat, just having the flexibility to move. But then as, again, as we age, it's just having having the physical strength to go with it. So that's that's what I'm looking to achieve. That's why I do the work that I do, the physical work that I do now. I've invested into 20, 30, 40 years down the road. I want to be hitting the bag. I want to be going flat out on the bag when I'm 80, 90 year old. I want to be doing muscle ups when I'm 80. Yeah, that I know. That, that, I saw you do muscle ups on a LinkedIn post and I was just like, oh. I want to be doing, I want to be able to do handstands. So I can't do, I can't do handstands. There's so much that I can't do. There's, so I'm, I'm at work on all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm, that's, that's my movement. That's my learning and growing into just the physical stuff that I can't do because of my flexibility. I've got tight shoulders and I just, yeah, it's a journey. It's a journey. But, but you've got to really take care of the body, really take care of it. We see it. You can see it. Frail. As you get older, you get frail. That's what I'm, that's what I'm up for not allowing to happen. So that's, how, that's why I'm doing the lifting now. We get too sedentary. We get too comfortable. But we're in our 50s. That's so young still. You've got to be lifting things. You've got to be throwing things around. You've just got to be actively active. Because all of a sudden, we'll be 10 years, a decade's going to fly by. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't get slower as we get older, does it? But not overdo. You don't need to overdo it. You could, The lifting, on all, I, I might do, I've got dumbbells and a kettlebell. So I walk past them. So I might, I might do three, four, five sets each day that I wouldn't have done because they're sitting there I kind of trip over them. I kind of deliberately done that. So I kind of put them in the way. So when I feel like it, if I feel like it, not every day, I'll go and throw them about for a bit. And then if I could do that a few times a day, then I'm, I'm over a month, three months. I'm, it's a it's a lot of work I've done. Yeah, it's about setting up your environment for those habits, isn't it? Setting your life up such that you get all those, what you need met. Carve your day out so you've got a bit of time to bend, meditate if you, if you want some weights in the in trip over them, lift them up, do that. Whatever, whatever you got, just got to figure it out. What works for you? Because what works for you may not work for somebody else. It's just kind of figuring that figuring that bit out for yourself. Because oh, it's the best investment that you could ever make. Giving yourself the time. Give yourself some time to sit down on your own for ten minutes. Go and throw a few weights. But that's for you, that is, and that's for you. That's the investment into your future. You gotta look out for number one because if you ain't in, if you, number one ain't no good, you can't do anything. And we, you know, we understand the power of coaching, and I guess you know you'll probably support the fact that we would suggest that you know at some point we could all benefit from some sessions with a coach, couldn't we, to help us find that sometimes? Of course, absolutely. I've got coaches for all all areas of my life because what do I know? I'm I'm growing all the time. I know what I know, so let's. But definitely, definitely, definitely. Because we're, we're just limited on our, in our own knowledge and our wisdom we've got. So how do we grow and expand through that? Otherwise, I, we kind of get stagnant, I suppose. But it's going beyond self. And my thing's about transcending self, getting beyond yourself. And yeah, the transformation of self, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's challenging. But that's so exciting to discover something about your life and yourself, something new. That's exciting. It's got to be. Really, it's been absolutely inspiring to hear you talk, your effervescence, your enthusiasm. You know, you've shared so much about your journey and your failures, 
Uh, you know, I could spend another couple of hours picking your brains and talking to you, but sadly we haven't got time on that. But if people have also been really inspired and would like to get in touch with you to learn more about you, because you do public speaking and keynotes, don't you? You do your, your one-to-one coaching, working with teams. Where can they go to, to get in contact with you? I'm everywhere. Billy Schwer, you can go to my website and pick up the first two chapters of, of my book for free, which is billyschwer.com. I'm on all the social media platforms. You can find me. I'm not hard to find. But here's one thing. I'm out to rock the world. I'm out to cause a phenomenon. Let's get it on. (laughs) And on that fantastic note, Billy, thank you very much indeed for uh, spending the time with us today. And I look forward to catching up with you, hopefully when we're out of this lockdown, face-to-face, maybe I can come down and we'll do a workout or something. Love to. And also, let me acknowledge you for what you're up to in the world the difference that you're making to us all from being you. So I just want to thank you and acknowledge you for that and what you're up to, because I love what you're up to and keep doing it. Wow. So that was an absolutely fantastic episode with Billy. He just, you know, his energy is so infectious. I, uh, I left that podcast just rejuvenated. I only got a couple of hours sleep last night. So I came into it in the afternoon feeling a bit lethargic. And by the time I'd finished talking to him, his energy just came straight through the computer uh, and infected me. He's just brilliant, isn't he? Um, I think Billy made some really valuable points in that. And my top three takeaways uh, from what he shared with us in that 40 minutes or so is, is one around self-awareness and the importance of self-reflection. You know, and I see this a lot with people. There's a lot of misconception that to be mentally tough is all that you need to be successful. It's not. When without when men, mental toughness, without self-awareness, without taking that time for self-reflection can be very counterproductive. So we need to be mindful of that and take time for that. He talked about the importance of looking after your physical body as well. You know, he's 51 years of age. I've seen him do some phenomenal things uh, in the gym. You might think, well, he's a world, former world boxing champion. What do you expect? But, you know, he's still looking after his body. And he talked about the importance of flexibility and agility. And we're never too old to do that. And also the importance of lifting weights. Not once did he talk about lots of cardio. So we need to be, as as guys and girls, I think as we get a bit older, we're in our, our, our midlife. We really need to be looking after our body to look after our mind as well. And then the last bit is looking after our mind um, by giving ourselves some mental downtime. You know, you wouldn't expect a fighter to go 12 rounds without a break, um, nor should we expect our, our brains to do that. But so often we ask that. And I think, you know, I've really got into meditation. Billy talks so passionately about that. And I think it's really worth exploring for all of us. Just start off small, 30 seconds to a minute, just two or three times a week, get into the habit of doing it. Um, and you'll soon pick up that habit and the benefits are phenomenal. So three great takeaways from that session with Billy. I really hope you've enjoyed the podcast and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. It only takes a moment, but it makes a massive difference to the visibility of the show and how many people we can reach. You know, our mission is to help people develop the mental fitness so they can achieve more than they thought themselves capable of. So it'd be great if you could do that. A big thanks to Charlotte Foster Podcast for her hard work on producing the show. You can connect with her on LinkedIn. And the music for show is Where to Run by Strength to Last, created by the musical talents of Adrian Walther, a Canadian living in Nashville. Check out his music on Spotify and YouTube Music. <laughs>